0: It's Brian back here for another episode. Once again, without Josh, he is on his last uh, leg of this sickness. He is getting better. He's going to be back with us soon. Hopefully, in a few days, here we'll have Josh back. That's going to be exciting. But bringing in another episode with me uh, to to get us by until we get Josh back. It's it's our buddy Corey Hanks. He's here to uh, talk about Halo with me and and just kind of go through some talking points we want to talk about. You you guys heard from him about a week or two ago and. Uh, we thought that was a good time, so we thought we'd bring him back. Corey, how are you doing tonight?
1: Good, man. I'm good. Happy to be filling in for Josh. Can't wait till he's back. Get the gang back together.
0: Yeah, I've, I've noticed uh, people. Uh, on one hand, I told Josh, I was like, "Man, people miss you more than I thought they would." <laughs> like, I told him that straight up. I was like, "Like, I know that they would miss you, but like, like both times I recorded, I recorded with you and I recorded with Ouija, and both times you guys were like." miss josh wish josh could be here and i was like wow okay dude you need to come back they really miss you he's half of the host Um, man he's absolutely absolutely um yeah so and i and i miss having the the ease of just turning on the recording and and getting him in here but you know right now with the winter and the holidays and the pandemic going around it's just been a heck of a time so it makes sense that if any time of the year He's going to have trouble getting on here. This is it, but he's on the mend. He's feeling much better. So he'll be back. We're going to try to have another episode up maybe Wednesday. So that'll be cool. But, uh, yeah. So before we get into some more fun, positive topics, we're just going to kind of address the, I, I don't know if I call the elephant in the room as much as it's just like the, it's the literal four walls. of the room. <sighs> Primary
1: talking point this at this point.
0: Yeah. Um, Right, I, in my in, in my opinion, at least, and I, it seems that Corey agrees with me, and I, I think a lot of the people in our Discord and our community agree that um, once we got, it's kind of like a threshold. Once we got about a month out from Halo Infinite's launch, kind of all the exciting new talking points and the playing through the game and and, and kind of just experiencing it kind of wore off, and then the the blinders kind of went off a bit, and people started talking about all the things they're disappointed with with Halo Infinite, all the things they don't like, things they're frustrated with. And I guess I'm just going to kind of go back and forth and can converse with Corey about, you know, how legitimate points are and how we should express those opinions and, you know, just kind of the situation we're in. Because, and I'll pass it over here in a second, Corey, but I think for me it's just you know, some of the big talking points right now have been, I'd say the most common one is, Store prices. I don't know if you'd say that's the one that's most common. It seems like it. Yeah, be.
1: it seems like the XP rollout complaint has at least taken a bit of a backseat. Yeah. Um, and the prices have really been there all along. And I don't think during the beta everyone fully understood what a 100 of these points was going to cost you in dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then also, you know, the cat ears come out and everyone goes crazy and buys cat ears. Uh, if you're in one camp or the other, it's gotta be frustrating because you feel like if you're making progress with your voice and with all these people that agree with you on social media, Hey, we want these prices to come down. We would give you more money. Well, when you see something come out the next week and everyone goes bonkers and buys it, it feels like your whole message, your whole, you know, goal, what you were trying to achieve, it just gets snuffed out and yeah. I I can understand some of the frustration, um, but like I'm sure you were going to mention or get into, the way a lot of this stuff is expressed, no shock, it's the internet, uh, but the way that a lot of this stuff is expressed is just gross and embarrassing to the community at large.
0: Well, yeah, I'm trying to play both sides here, because on one hand, and I want to ask your opinion on this, the thing I have said a lot, which... I've got a decent amount of people on Twitter have said to me that that's not not a a logical thing to say. And I'd like to hear your opinion. Maybe I am missing something. I always say it's a vote with your wallet thing. You you can speak out about it saying you don't like it. Actually, at several points, Josh and I have said we thought the prices Mm -hmm. were too high. But it's also voting with your wallet. Josh and I have not purchased these things. And so whenever I say vote vote with your wallet, I I get some blowback for that because people seem to think that's not enough. I mean – in my opinion, you express vocally once or twice that you don't like it and then you don't buy it. I feel like that's really all you can do as a single consumer. Do you agree with that or is there more we could be doing? I don't
1: necessarily disagree with that, but I do understand from a business perspective, if you're making large amounts of money, even if it's just from a 10th of a percent of the players that are spending and this is successful for you as a business model and it doesn't show signs of slowing down, how are you supposed to blame the business for cutting that off? You know, if, if it's working for them, yeah. people will yeah. vote with their wallets of course, by not spending, but that's okay. You know, every, uh, every general store in America doesn't have to have a hundred percent of people going in and buying their stuff as long as they're making enough to get by. And that's kind of the way it feels to me. And it's also part of the reason or maybe the the number one reason why this conversation feels so futile and the arguments going on feel so pointless. There's no reason for people to be getting upset at each other. This is just the way it is.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and I think, I mean, it's on one hand, I'm not paying for these things because I don't want them enough for the price. And to be fair, I don't really care about cosmetics that much in general. I can say that if there was some really dope ass complete armor set for 10 bucks or less. I could see myself being more willing to drop mm-hmm. money on that instead of like $20 for for the same thing, but I I think there's an issue that that gamers run into a lot. And I have I have OCD myself with other things, so I'm not really trying to call anybody out for having OCD with this because I definitely do in other respects, but like I think a lot of people play games and they feel like all the content that's in the game, no matter what it is, they need to be able to own it to have the complete experience, like to collect it, to have it, and seeing these store prices when new items drop weekly, it's becoming very apparent that to get everything, not only are you going to have some FOMO, you're going to have to make sure you're there at right times to get stuff for like the holiday, or they just announced like a cyber uh, type uh, week or whatever for yeah. cyber gear or whatever. Um so not only is there the FOMO aspect, but there's also the, wow, I'm going to have to spend hundreds of dollars throughout the year to maintain buying all these things. And I think for me, it's quite obvious the point is never for everyone to buy everything. It's the same as a lot of other games. You have your, your like your uh, League of Legends. You know, the point isn't to buy every hero and every costume for every hero. And I know some mm-hmm. people do that, and that's fine. Those are those are the whales. That we kind of alluded to earlier. Um, And that's fine, but I think there's, I think there's a mix of a couple things there because I think it's like, on one hand, um, I don't think it's a healthy mindset to believe that you should have everything, that you need everything. Um, And then I also feel that, because then the counter argument sometimes becomes, well, in Halo Reach, I could get everything without spending money. In Halo 3, I could get everything without spending money. But there's a couple big differences there, right? For one... The amount of things you can customize and the amount of things they're adding is astronomically higher than even Reach and will continue to be astronomically higher as they add more. What seems like they're adding now with the Cyber thing, they're almost adding more monthly. I mean, pretty much monthly, if not over the course of a year, there's going to be a lot. So I think it's a little disingenuous to compare it to old models because, for one, this is going to be... They've obviously invested more time and more money in the armor and the mm-hmm. way you can customize because they knew that was going to be their proper their, their primary for the multiplayer 100 percent. and then you for the multiplayer yeah and then and then also i mean combined with the fact that they know that a lot of people are going to play the game on game pass so they might not totally. even get the 60 dollars from campaign. well and they're banking on that right um, they're banking on free so, campaign
1: pulling people into the multiplayer to spend some money that way
0: yeah absolutely so so you have the it makes sense they want to make money from this and the game is free to play that's that's where i feel like i lose so many people is like people go well well it shouldn't have been free to play i would have rather just paid 60 bucks and had all the armor but that's just so what i this is all. not a, th- so,
1: that's so just not I. an argument worth yeah. having because that's just not the way yeah. it is right but anyway yeah please would, continue
0: <laughs> yeah but who who wouldn't want to do that right but but it's it's, it's kind of disingenuous because one first of all they are the company They chose to go the free-to-play model. It's okay if you don't like it. It's okay if you didn't want it. But you can't say that a free-to-play model is objectively bad. There are plenty of people that are playing this that wouldn't have played it if it was $60. That's the reason that they did the free-to-play model. Mm -hmm. You get a far bigger audience. So, So there is a large benefit for both the people who are playing who wouldn't have played if they had to pay. There's the benefit for people like me who would have paid already. But now have more community to play yes. with, and and then you also have three four three and Microsoft making money from those microtransactions. So uh, it is good for certain people, and and then it's also fair that there is microtransactions in the game for this free experience. And I know you would have rather paid for it and not had that. But first of all, that's not a, that's not an option. Like you said, it's not even a mm-hmm. discussion. And then and then secondly. Um, these prices for these cosmetics, paying for the store—I mean, paying for it—it's. I mean, I just—I just feel like it's not that crazy. Like this is what I've been trying to convey on Twitter that just—it's hard to get across—is like, I don't want to pay these prices. I don't like looking at them, and, and and knowing how much it would cost to buy all these things. But it's acceptable for what the, like it. It's acceptable for them to ask for the amount of money they want for something that they created. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying it's worth $20. I'm not saying sure. that. I'm not saying I wouldn't like it to be lower. But I, I was going to let you talk for a bit because I feel like I've really... No,
1: man. Um, and I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I do have some thoughts about it. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the frustration and the anger from the community about prices and... You know, it is it is literally kicking the dead horse to go on and on about I want I don't want this to be free to play, I want to pay full price and get the game and unlock everything. It's literally dead. There is it's not changing, so just people people can the just drop no it. Water. It's not it's not a conversation worth having. That's like saying I wish that oxygen were water and water were oxygen. There's no point. Unless you yeah. just wanna, you know, yeah. get stoned and have a funny conversation. But I think that a lot of this current dissatisfaction it's coming from the legacy, right? Oh, in Reach, I could do all of this stuff. And so this is the expectation I have coming in, especially because a lot of people probably skipped the Xbox One generation or skipped Halo 4 and 5. So they're coming into this with like that kind of Reach expectation. It's not what they want. Yes, there's a larger community, but people don't tend to think about how this is good for the game or good for the community at large. They think about what's good or bad for themselves. But to the notion of, you know, the legacy of Reach and the way this has worked in the past. What do you think the fan reaction would be to this game if Campaign Multiplayer launched and it was just a little bit different, but content-wise, microtransaction price-wise, it was all the exact same. The only difference is it's not Halo. It's a new IP, and it's called Mm. Sci-Fi Ring or something.
0: Yeah, no, I mean... It would be part of the course for this. It industry. would just be, hey, this is
1: a new game, and man, they knocked it out of the park. The prices are too high, but yeah. you know, they got to make their money. It's a new game, new IP, new studio, or whatever.
0: Well, yeah, and that's the thing is, I think I kind of circled around this without saying it because I was kind of losing my train of thought. But I, tell me if you agree. But the amount of customization items and the, the level of customization that's here—that's an investment that was only going to be made if if they have this free to play model right? i believe like, so reach reach was out yeah reach was outstanding for customization but like i mean i haven't done the math but i i'm thinking infinite's probably already got more more combinations than than reach well so far, by does,
1: combinations it? you know that, go, that gets so into many, some of the other dissatisfaction yeah. which is how cores work and the things you know that you can Uh, it limits customization but as far as number of pieces in there you may be right
0: yeah and i mean this is this is extremely early on and we're already talking about that i mean five ten years from now i mean this i can't imagine there's going to be thousands upon thousands of anything from your 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 weapon trinkets to your weapon skins to your armor skins to the different effects death effects stuff like that um Mm -hmm. so i don't know yeah i wish you've you've really said it better than i have like i think that we need to stop having the discussions that are pointless, like what you would have rather had, or or wishing it wasn't free to play. Like, it's in, and and I, I mean, asking for lower prices, I think, is a fair discussion. But mm-hmm. you know, I think we've kind of moved on past the the fair discourse on that and just kind of spiraled out of control.
1: The if you're gonna give feedback, at least give them something that they can use.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I hate the Master Chief. That's not good feedback. Neither is I wish this weren't free to play. That's not yeah. it's just not useful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um and I I think there's definitely some some changes that could be coming that are going to take way longer than anyone wants because I know one of the things people have been asking for. And you know I've never really been too deeply invested in one of these online experiences with full of microtransactions but I know a lot of games have ways for you to earn credit in the game, and that's not really a thing with Halo Infinite right now. Right. They could be working on something like that, but the problem is if that's not in the code or like even set up within the system at all for on release, I mean, I'm no developer, but that's not going to go quick. You know, this entire in-game currency that runs alongside the real-life money, right? I mean, they got to build that.
1: I have a feeling that that is built in, whether okay. it was a contingency or a planned feature that changed or something that they've built into the backbone in case they decide to pull the trigger on this in the future. I just, since, since the, uh, the tech previews that we, you know, we all took part in, I had the feeling the way they were kind of giving everybody free money to spend and see what it's like to spend money. It always felt like these things were going to be earnable one day when they run out of challenges or frankly, when people get tired of earning pieces of armor and the cosmetic stuff that they have now, and the player base starts dropping, that's something they can flip the mm-hmm. switch on to to reinvigorate. Okay. So you're coming more from the, the player perspective base. of
0: they have the stuff in the pipeline already, they're just holding out to see.
1: Yeah, and like I said, it could be a contingency plan. It could be something that they never intend to do, but they just yeah. know it's there. Um, I don't see them making you know like with Halo two where they were building up a lot of the backbone of Xbox Live along with it they have the ability to do this and it's built into the backbone, not the actual games that come along. You know, these, these tools are already there for anyone to take advantage of. And for a first person or first party studio, I think that if they want to do that, they totally could.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about like, do you, do you play any particular online game consistently throughout the year? Like even Halo, or are you more like me where you kind of go through spurts?
1: Yeah. Um, Since, you know, I played about a solid hard year of Halo 2. And then I stepped away from that until Halo 3 came out. And then it was Reach. But when 4 came out, I kind of stopped doing that until the Master Chief Collection was out and fixed. And they started adding Reach and ODST and stuff to it. Since then, they just built the challenge system for the Master Chief Collection in a way. Where it was really easy to go in and do 5 to 10 matches a week. And that's really when it comes to online play, that's really all I'm good for is like 5 to 10 matches a week typically.
0: Okay. So for you for you the the having challenges and and things to unlock and earn that is a big part of what keeps you playing.
1: It is but it's it's hard to describe. That's not like a feature that I would say is super important to me. But in the post mortem of a game, you know, when a game is past its prime and most people are going on to other stuff, if I love a game and there is an excuse to go back in and yeah. you know earn something, it's not even an achievement or something as meaningless as that. It's less yeah. than that, right? It's just it's just an excuse to interact with it. Yeah.
0: And I mean, it seems like most most gamers are in that position. I don't I don't know what it is for me that just I, I feel like I feel soulless sometimes when it comes to this stuff because I just don't know man.
1: <laughs> it's not, it's not about being soulless. It's just, these things are concocted in a way to feed the part of your brain yeah. that likes the little bar filling up.
0: Yeah. And I think I you see, know? I, and I obviously used, you, you just said it, you see right through it as well. You just still get an enjoyment. Of it. I, I guess maybe, maybe I see that too clearly. And I just know the things that I put such stock in, in games, which is oftentimes the story and, and, Uh, it's, it's it's the experience. If it's not the story, it's the general experience of it. And, um, I guess I had, I will say this. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I am a hundred percent with you, but for those experiences that are super special, like a halo infinite, like a Titanfall two campaign, when I love a campaign and that narrative really sucks you in, it's like, you want more excuse to spend time in that world. Mm -hmm. And that's what those little excuses do. Just yeah. provide you just enough reason to go in and play the game a little more.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I think I think it's probably fair to say that regardless of what happens, put us a year or two out from now, I think a lot of things are going to be different, don't you?
1: Totally agree.
0: Cause they, and, and they've been very clear, and I think a lot of us, I'll, I'll even admit myself, I like to tune it out a bit, but for a long time they've been saying, this is just the beginning. Halo Infinite is a live service game. And I've heard that, but I've always kind of I think I've always kind of tuned it out a little bit where I thought, well, yeah, it is, but, like, the full game's coming at launch, right? And in a sense, it did. I mean, I think what it needed to do to get me on board was give me a full campaign and, and then let me play multiplayer. And it yeah. did that. It did the bare It felt better. full, yeah. It felt full enough, yeah. But now it just kind of cleared. It's, like, between the things that were cut, like Co-op and Forge and them fixing up the store and adding more maps and adding more playlists and fixing btb which i think just got a hot fix today or, or it's going through certification at least
1: okay um,
0: yeah did you read that you didn't know that i did
1: not uh i know that they stated when they got back in the office and that was their first priority yeah um it's a shame because that was probably their most banging mode until yeah it underwent all these technical issues and they shut it down
0: yeah like that's the thing is like i don't i don't feel i'm not i'm not upset at all that they went on one on a break like for holiday, I absolutely no. loved that they did that, and I wouldn't have them change that at all. But it is kind of interesting. Like, I'm sure it's happened in other games, but I've just never been involved enough to notice. But it was kind of crazy how they just kind of got the thing out the door and then they went on a break. And it seems obvious that they needed to have some people maybe not or something because BTB was just sitting there broken. And yeah, all, now all this stuff was unattended because people were on... It just felt weird. I wouldn't really change it. I want them to have their break, you know. But Yeah, stop.
1: this is another one of those evolutions of the industry where that, what we're talking about, this big, long break after a game comes out, uh, wouldn't have been possible due to crunch and then releasing an online game. It is healthier for the industry long term because these healthier work atmospheres, I think, yeah. will produce better quality content in the future. yeah. But as far as these these groups like taking a break, the reason this is so crazy to me is because they leave a skeleton crew that's in charge of, you know, they made some modest adjustments to the way XP is rolled out and stuff. But large do you know the large part of the studio they left for a month, and when you launch an online game, I expect, in general, things to turn out closer to the way the Master Chief Collection launched, where the online system breaks after. Uh a few hours yeah. and it takes hands on deck to fix that stuff get it into certification quickly i just always expect online games to have massive issues at launch and i would say that them launching the multiplayer portion early had a lot to do with you know played a large part in why they were able to then take time off right after the game launched
0: that's and, a great point
1: you know it's just, that's a strategy i'm sure they learned a lot from it they may use it in the future um, but it's data that they're going to take in and learn from. So I don't see how it's yeah. really a, that big of a negative.
0: I understand people of...
1: having the the initial response of this isn't what I want. And I demand someone fix it because I'm an entitled gamer. Yeah. And I would rather they be human beings. that get some time off with their family for the holidays, but.
0: Absolutely, absolutely no I yeah no no part of me wants to take that away from them, and I, it, may, it brings me joy to hear they get a, a break after all that. it kind of it kind of if you reflect on it too, it kind of seems like it's almost like they 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 babied this thing with the the first beta, the second beta, and then the th- quote unquote third beta that was more more or less the release game early. Mm-hmm. Um, they really kind of babied that thing along so that they could leave it and go on a break. and like you said, yeah. despite there actually being issues the the infinite infinite was functioning while no one was around better than a lot of games would that early on
1: totally know? totally so. and i was very critical of this release strategy as it was happening and you know we talked in the discord plenty of people were upset about the the way this rolled out where they surprise you with half of the game a few weeks go by they do the release they told you they were going to do and we just had the ode to a pregame ritual because pregame ritual doesn't Really apply to this thing when it's coming out in yeah. in the the order and the way the staggered release that it was, but hindsight being 2020 and all that, uh, thinking about the way crunches go down and the way support post launch happens, it seems like they 100 percent did the best thing for their team.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's continually. I think for me at least personally, it's continually learning how the industry is changing, observing it, and then trying to think it through in my head and rationalize what I don't like because it's objectively bad and what I don't like because it's different. I think that's really important to do. I I wish more people were trying to do that because for me, like uh, we talked, you know, with with the whole, um, the game coming out at like one o'clock in the
1: afternoon. Yeah.
0: It's like strange, you know, my, my initial knee jerk reaction. I don't like that. That's stupid. Why don't they do it at midnight? Okay, well, wait a minute. They're having them all launch at the same time, you know, so that everyone can play together. And why did I like Midnight so much? Was it because it was natural for me to start playing games at midnight? No, it was because I got accustomed <laughs> to doing that for so long, you know? Yeah,
1: I don't think it's natural for anyone to start any kind of media experience at the opposite point of the clock, you know?
0: Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. Or or, or like the game being free to play. Like, well, I never had to. I always bought it. I never had to do these things. Yeah, it's like that... Like I can say, maybe maybe twenty dollars for an armor set. Maybe we can talk about that objectively being bad. Holy shit, type thing. But the fact that there's armors that are being sold for real money in a free to play experience, I'm not sure I'm ready to say to 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 give to let someone say it's objectively bad because I don't really think it is. I think it's just a different model. I think it's not something we're used to. And the thing is, like, and I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast before. I, uh, I taught kids Sunday school for a couple years, and the kids were like 10, 11, 12 years old. And they always talked about Fortnite and, and games like that, Apex or whatever, that was free to play. And their mom would give them, you know, they asked their parents for V-Bucks B- right. to buy new armor and stuff like that. And it's like growing up in that environment, they're cool with that. You know, they're mm-hmm. cool with that type of gaming, and that's where it's it's easy for someone like us to come around and be like, "Well, back in my day, gaming was so much better," but but was it like it just it's only better to you because it was your day? Like yeah. at the same time, I can't imagine how cool it would have been if I was eight years old and there was this badass game and there was a way for me to play it without begging my parents to spend sixty bucks, whether it was Game Pass or it was just literally free to play like Fortnite, mm-hmm. and then having the opportunity to go. Hey mom, dad, can you give me 6 bucks for this costume in a game versus I, I want $60 for a new game because for me it was always like okay, go get my N64 cartridge that cost me 60 right. bucks. And hopefully you and like it. And if I like it and I'm sick of it in 3 weeks to 4 weeks, the chances of me getting another $60 game anytime soon are slim to none, yeah. you know, like we just got you one. You know, now now you you get on your Xbox or your PC and there's dozens if not hundreds of thousands of games yeah. that are free. To play, so it's just a different time.
1: And what you said about, um, you know, I wish more people would f- like internalize and think about why do I not like this? Is it because it's objectively bad, or is it because it's different to me? That's just adult life lessons right there. You know, I wish more people yeah. were more mature. <laughs> That's all that really means. This isn't directly related just to video games.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and I say that, I say that as somebody who still continually makes that mistake. You know, you get you get really frustrated at some at someone or something, and you get really angry about it, and then after it's a, you've slept and it's a day later, you can go to yourself, you know what? Maybe I kind of overreacted that. Yeah, maybe. maybe I
1: was an asshole.
0: Maybe I was kind of an ass. Like, maybe the thing that person did was like a 1 out of 10 bad, and I reacted like a 10 out of 10 bad, and like, maybe I just needed to, to, to you know, having that self-maturity to go, maybe this is a character issue with me more than it is this studio and this game and these people behind the scenes. Not to mention, like, I've seen this from a couple of people. The main one I saw it from was David, David Ellis just talking about how they want to keep their personal lives and their halo life separate. And I'm just no very
1: important and it's very mature. I can't
0: even, <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine because I feel that way sometimes doing a halo podcast, which is like one, one hundredth of the experience they're having. Yeah. So I just can't imagine what it's like for them. And, and I in terms of hours like,
1: per year, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's even close. It's, it's insane. Not even remotely so it's like I wish people would be have more respect for that if if, if uh, some 343 employee is talking about their dog or their kid don't go in there and talk about the store on their. yeah it's the internet it's so man it's, yeah. it's, it just it's happens just to
1: be it, the internet though. and you know it's funny yeah. I, I didn't really I didn't really see this conversation going this way but a lot of these life lessons we've learned through hype for past Halo games whether they be disappointing yeah. or you know better than we expected. And there's a lot of people probably listening to this who are going through those same sorts of maturation experiences with Halo Infinite right now.
0: Yeah, no, I, that's very well said. I mean, yeah, we're, we're coming from a place of experience, right? I, I think most <laughs> people who, I think most people who have a level head at some point in their life, they got there through tripping and falling several times. You totally. Know, you don't just usually wake up and just you're just clairvoyant and clairvoyant you know? <laughs> and immature, uh, so. But, uh, yeah, so, okay, so moving on to some, maybe some better, uh, more friendly topics, less negative. Um, Corey, you had a couple things you wanted to to throw my way. Yeah,
1: yeah, two or three topics here. First thing I wanted to ask you is, um, you know, obviously we do a lot of chatting about Halo in the Discord, and uh, you and Josh do as well on the show, but you've got some oddballs. Uh, I really liked listening to the Legend of Zelda show with Ouija, I just i love hearing people talk about their different takes on different games that i experienced whether i loved them or not i'm not a huge fan of majora's mask but i loved hearing you all talk about it that was really cool but i wanted to just kind of expand on that just a teensy bit and ask you what were your favorite games of last year
0: of 2021 okay what's interesting is one of the games i played in 2021 was i had never got around to skyward sword uh, did you play Skyward Sword?
1: I did, and I hated it.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, okay, well, you played it on the Wii probably, I Sure right? did, yep. Yeah, so I was like, okay, I've never really played this game outside of just a demo or what, to, whatnot, so I was like, I'm just going to wait for the HD version on the Switch and play with button controls. Mm-hmm. And I got it, and I was really excited because I was going into it with a fresh mind, and I was honestly having a blast for uh, a couple weeks, and then the very first Halo Infinite beta dropped and i put it down to play the beta and then when i picked it back up um for those of you that have ever played zelda um if you've played skyward sword there's a point in the game where it just has you go back to areas that you've already been and do new things in the same areas well that's where i had i had gotten before the beta dropped so when i came back to it i was just like oh this is already kind of a slog and now it's like a real slog and I kind of just sat on the shelf and haven't beat it, and I want to come around to beating it. But, I mean, if you ever have interest in retrying it, it's definitely better. Yeah, I know that I I don't have
1: a Switch. I've kind of been waiting for the killer app because I played Breath of the Wild on the Wii U, and so I've just been waiting for the killer app to drop that would push me to buy one, and it'll probably be Breath of the Wild 2, whatever that subtitle ends up being. But, yeah, I I would like to retry it. I'm sure it's better with just using a stick to swing your sword instead of the dumb Wii remote stuff
0: it's 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 so much better and i I was having so much fun in the first few temples of the game that i really do feel like if i can you know put my foot down and actually play through the rest of it i'll probably have a good what you just
1: described as a problem that that series went through and it took multiple sequels for them to stop doing it one thing that people really hated uh, this was the number one complaint about the wind waker was the triforce quest at the end where you have to go hunting for all of the pieces of triforce to get to the final temple Yep. Then in Twilight Princess, you'd go through an area as a dog, you'd come back and you'd go through, or as a wolf, I mean, and then you come back and go through as a yeah. you know, proper link. And then exactly what you just said regarding Skyward Sword.
0: Yeah, Breath of the Wild kind of reinvigorated that whole series, which totally you know, for the millionth time, I'll tie that to Infinite and say that's what they did with Infinite in my mind. Like, I love making well, that. A lot
1: character. of very similar inspirations, it feels yeah. like. And it's it was like we've reached this point in technology where we can now do these things that these original iterations of these games, Zelda 1, Halo 1, this is kind of what they were trying to do, and we're just now there technically, and yeah. we can do it.
0: Yeah, it it, uh, it, it breathes new life into the series in an interesting way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but okay, I'm trying to think of all the games I played this year that were new this year. So, because Halo Infinite was obviously the big one we were trying to get to. Um, besides Skyward Sword HD, well, did, what did you have... Give me, give me one of the ones you had this year so I can think on. Yeah,
1: so my number two is Sable, which I played on Game Pass.
0: And that's an that indie is, game, right?
1: It's an indie game. It was made by two people. Um, and Japanese Breakfast, who is this solo artist who n- normally she plays with a band, but she did all of the music for this. And that led to me just discovering who that group, even that band actually was. Okay, um, But it is very much Breath of the Wild influenced. It has the same kind of, uh, uh, what's the the paraglider? It's got the yeah. same mechanic as that, the climbing, the stamina bar. Instead of a horse, okay. you've got essentially a Star Wars speeder that you're riding okay. around on through this big desert world. And as you're going around and kind of finding bits and pieces of history, very much like Breath of the Wild, you piece together how this land came to be and where these different factions that exist, how they popped up and stuff. And I thought that it was just the most soothing, relaxing experience where, you you know, you're just out in the desert and this little peaceful guitar comes in and the sun is setting and you're just cruising, man, across like open sand. It was just awesome. So I love that game.
0: Yeah, I've heard about it. You've mentioned it so many times in the Discord, it doesn't seem like a new... Like, you've sunk that name into my head. So Good. <laughs> very, made a good impression on you. For I time. recommend
1: everyone try Sable. It's on Game Pass.
0: Sable, okay. Yeah, I need to look into it more. Um, I feel like this was a really uninteresting year for me outside of Halo Infinite, because I, I also remember that I got the Mass Effect Trilogy. I'm mm-hmm. playing through that again. Which I I played, you know, and this is like Josh. If Josh, listen, this will be like, oh, you got to be kidding me! But <laughs> like for me with with me with Mass Effect, I always just think the first the first one's like what matters to me, man. Like really, I thought the first Mass Effect, I thought the first Mass Effect was just so damn good. And when I, when I got the remaster, I could not put it down, and I was just like, this is amazing, holy shit, this is so good. And I got to Mass Effect Two, which I've also I played these games before. Yeah. And Mass Effect 2 was great, but uh, halfway through Mass Effect 2, I lost interest, and I never picked it back up, and I didn't even play 3. I I had... One just felt so special.
1: I had a great experience with that game, and it's, you know, it's not new games, they're remasters, Uh, but my wife had never played them, and so we played through the entire trilogy together with her driving most Mm -hmm. of the conversation, and also doing all of the planet scanning where you throw probes down to find resources and stuff, she did all that, so we were kind of passing the controller back and forth. But that right there made that special in one of the games of the year for me.
0: Yeah, I get that. I mean, that's that's something you know, because I've only been married for a little over two years, or about, getting close to three years. But uh, games, experience in certain games with your with your spouse, it, it makes it really special. Because we, that's totally. the thing is, we played a lot of games this year that uh, didn't come out this year. Like uh, me and my wife switched off playing Resident Evil Seven, and I'm going to say this because <laughs> she would say if she was in the room, she'd be yelling it into the mic. I got scared so often. She played it more. Playing later. seven, she played it more.
1: Yeah, seven, seven right. was scary. Michelle, my wife, she did not play that one with me, but she really liked eight. Village.
0: Yeah. Well, we're planning on playing eight together once we can get it on a sale. I yeah. Think it's been down to thirty, but we're trying to let, get it down to like twenty or. Less. Totally feel so, that man.
1: Um, wait Save wait up those so uh, yeah, so those Bing fun. points.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bing points. Yeah. So yeah, we played like we played Resident Evil seven, and I think. And this, this kind of, you know, I've kind of kind of demolished your question because you asked well, which games I played. games you played this year. I'm not it's speaking been, specifically about, yeah. like,
1: which releases did you hunt down and review kind of thing.
0: I was going to say, because all the releases I've mentioned have been remasters. And then one game that, that I really loved playing this year, wasn't even a remaster, I just was. I just sat down and replayed it, was Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, which is a shocking one to me because I played... Dragon Age Inquisition, when it came out, mm-hmm. and I thought this game is full of so many fetch quests, and it's boring and bland. And A lot and of it people sucks. thought that. And I, yeah, and I was like, I, I, so I barely got through it. I beat it. And then Witcher came, Witcher 3 came out, like, yeah, months later. And I was like, and I was like, okay, this Witcher 3, just anything that might have been redeemable about Dragon Age Inquisition, who cares? Because Witcher 3 is so much yeah. better. But for some, I got this weird, like, hair up my butt this year to play Dragon Age Inquisition. And I just let it be what it was, and I quit trying to compare it to Witcher, and I just took my time, and I really loved it. I just loved the characters and the story. Still had tons of those fetch yeah. quests, but the world and the music and the characters and the setting, man, I had a blast. And I actually think I actually think I like the Dragon Age series better than Mass Effect, even though Mass Effect's gameplay is... So much better. I just I resonate with the fantasy world more. I resonate with those characters. Totally too. understand. So when
1: they released, um, yeah, so. I forget what is it. Was it at the VGAs where they announced all the new games for backwards compatibility? And it was like the last hurrah of the Xbox backwards compatibility stuff. One of those games was Advent Rising. I don't know if you remember Advent Rising. That was the Donald Mustard game. I remember it was just a cool
0: Xbox game. Uh, I played it on PC
1: because I remember when that game came out in 2005, it had a lot of, all the reviews were like, they were giving the Xbox version like fives and stuff, and they were giving the PC like sevens. And it was all because of frame rate and stuff. But I was like, I remember enjoying that game on PC, and I'm going to go back and play it. And it has so many strange elements. It's not a good game, but it has a really cool story mm-hmm. and a lot of like different types of gameplay that it tries and fails to do well. But it, it just fails in all these really interesting ways, and it never got a sequel. It was set up to be a trilogy, and that was just one of those fun ones to go back to. And man, there are some structures in that game and that campaign that are straight ripped right out of halo one and halo two there's just no question oh really the beacons with the the lighthouse it's like they just took that asset and placed it here
0: oh yeah i mean me and josh talked about it before but the the xbox original xbox generation there was so there was this atmosphere of buying other games in hopes they'd be as cool as halo you know Uh,
1: i think you're right because that's what everyone compared every game to Brute Force yeah. was like, oh, it's Halo, but
0: third person. Stop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's like, no. Br- Brute Force has got more attention on this podcast than it's because it's me. a legend. <laughs> from, yeah, from anyone else in years. uh Yeah, but so I, I guess I guess in reflection, I guess I played a lot of older games this year while I waited for Halo Infinite. I, I this you know because of the pandemic, a lot of games got pushed into 2022. That's why I think this yeah. year is probably going to be insane for the amount of things that get released um but i yeah, thought this a, year was good...
1: was insane compared to 2020 because of all the delays that had happened
0: absolutely absolutely but yeah I, I mean halo infinite was was my takeaway game this year as it is was for you i've saw i've heard you say that before yeah. uh, which is understandable it's a, it's a big game and we're obviously we're huge fans of halo um uh, but yeah it was just a cool it was a cool year for media in general for me because i think i made a post on my my private my personal account that uh, some of the biggest moments for me this year were Halo Infinite, uh, The Witcher Season Two on Netflix, Dune the film, which was so good, um, and there was one other. thing. Oh yeah, Spider Man No Way Home, which was such a great experience. Um, I don't know if you care about Marvel stuff at all, Corey, but not, not no, not not
1: generally, no.
0: Okay, well, you know, two, three Let's out of four, <laughs> three out of four ain't bad. <laughs> Trying to think,
1: I've I've seen Iron Man One and the first Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: And they work that's freedom, it huh?
1: not not yeah. not for me I grew up a comic fair fan enough. and um, I don't know something about it doesn't it just doesn't work
0: fair enough man I, it doesn't bother me none. I mean the thing is it's like I, I love watching those films and I I always go out to see them but if you ask me to list like my top 20 movies you'll, you'll never hear me mention Marvel like it, to me it's like a popcorn it's
1: a popcorn film. flick and that's what it's intended yeah. to be it's supposed yeah. to be fun it's supposed to be yeah. something you can take the whole family to Dune, on the other hand, that's how you put your kids to sleep.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I actually went and picked up the 4K the other day. I'm just just looking at it on the shelf. I'm just like, oh, you're you're such a beautiful film. I love it. Awesome.
1: I saw that movie in IMAX and then came home, and the next morning as I was brewing coffee, I just turned it on on HBO Max, and the wife came in like, hey, wait, I haven't seen this yet. I guess you liked it.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Did she like it?
1: She loved it, yeah. She started reading the book. That's
0: weird. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I was actually surprised. Both uh, so you, so your wife, my wife, and my brother's wife all just love Dune, and I, I guess it really appeals extremely to, well made. To, yeah, it is. It is very well made. Beautifully so, shot. Yeah, that was great.
1: Not much else you can say. It's just it, an exquisite movie. I
0: don't even care that it, it just ends without a proper like real send off. But I don't yeah. care.
1: I think it's if you like, were going into this much like I was going into Halo f- Two, expecting some big conclusion, you, you're yeah, going to be disappointed. Nope.
0: <laughs> nope yeah what if what if uh atreides had just turned around and said finishing this fight <laughs> that oh my fight. god <laughs> uh, uh, yeah my head probably yeah, would have that, exploded honestly yeah absolutely um well what was your next question Corey? unless you had another game you wanted to
1: share. With real players? quick there's one other yeah. game i go want to talk about which is psychonauts 2 oh, uh, another that's one that's two. on game pass and this is one that i kick before Double Fine had been purchased by Microsoft, so I'd been looking forward to it for ever and ever. The mm. first Psychonauts game I bought uh, the day it came out because I was a big Grim Fandango fan, mm. which Tim Schafer was the lead on, and it blew me away for the same reason that Psychonauts Two is blowing a lot of people away, which is the empathy, the empathy, and the delicate care with which they treat mental illness mm. has been done in such a almost like Tim Burton esque. I mean, that Tim Burton gets compared a lot to it, but uh, Tim Burton and Beetlejuice was kind of the, the feeling I got from Grim Fandango because it's this cool take on the afterlife that's really fun and it made something super morbid, almost cute in a way mm-hmm. and Psychonauts does the same thing and does so really well. I think it should have won more awards. I think it got second in a whole lot of websites yeah. Game of the Year. So, but I highly uh, recommend like- that one and go look at the uh, Hall of Brains. You'll see my name.
0: Hollow brains. Okay, so is Psychonauts two as good as the first one? Do you think, or not quite up there? Uh,
1: personally, I preferred the summer camp setting of the first one. Okay. Versus now, I'm a Psychonaut and I'm at Psychonaut Headquarters, okay. doing you know work with other adults and stuff. There's just a little bit more of a playfulness to the original. Okay. Um, as far as as how well made are they objectively? I think that they're both pretty similar. I'll...
0: Okay, yeah, that's something that's kind of been on the list, because I've never played the first either. So it's been on the list of, like, games to try. Because I, 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 it's, it's kind of a platformer, right? Am I correct in mm-hmm. that? Yeah, it's like
1: a more like mellow, you know, it's a Mario 64-influenced game of that era.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah very cool. Yeah, no, I would, I would love to try those. What what'd you have next for me, Corey?
1: Yeah, so next one, um, just real quick, wanted to get your thoughts on the TV show. That's something that hasn't been discussed too much lately, and I feel like for decent reason but i just wanted to touch base with you on that
0: well now i'm curious what what do you mean for decent reason i want to hear what you have to say about that.
1: well like the number one thing is this interview i'm pretty sure it was ryan mccaffrey from ign interviewing joe staten and yeah. asked about the tv show and joe was just like kind of big cheesy grin and goes it's neat that huh. was his answer, but maybe think... he said that, or maybe he said it's cool. He didn't have much to say yeah, about it. <laughs>
0: what do you think that means?
1: I just think it's it's probably for people who are really invested in the fiction of that of this series.
0: Yeah,
1: it's probably not what they're going to be expecting.
0: Yeah, well, okay, so it's kind of hard. It's hard for me to describe where I come from with the, for this Halo TV show, right? <laughs> Let me establish let me establish the camps here. I think okay. you have the you have the cynical nerd gamer view of the show, which is also the one that I internally possess, which is from the moment it was announced all the way through now with the showtime, jumping to Paramount Plus. I think deep down as a cynical gamer, you say to yourself, Well, this is probably gonna be shit, right? <laughs> That's what you say to yourself, like you know, it's it's uh it's it's not being made by any super high caliber person at any super high caliber studio or place. Yeah, it's not Peter Jackson. video is no. It's based on a video game, and it's 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 it was announced in like 2013, and it's only now maybe gonna start. It's been to that long? They announced it at the Xbox One unveil, but it was supposed to have wow. Yeah, it was supposed to be with Spielberg involved and all this stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, I remember Spielberg's involvement, but man, that's eight years ago.
0: No, almost nine. Almost nine years, actually. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it'd be going up on nine years. forget it's 2022 already.
0: So I think that's the cynical gamer approach. But then, so then the way I look at it, because if you've ever looked at Sacred Icon's tweets, or if you go back to like the second episode of Sacred Icon, we talked positively about the Halo TV show. But the way I look at it is... If if you know the primary audience that's going to be scrutinizing uh, the Halo TV show is your cynical nerd gamer, then it, it starts to become, well, it's just going to be an echo chamber, right? Like nobody's thinking outside the box here. We're all just dogpiling it and saying, well, it's probably going to be shit. So from the moment we started Sacred Icon on, we just kind of took a different approach and said, hey, well, we don't know how it, what the quality is going to be yet. We haven't seen it. and That's right. Uh, not only have we not seen it and we don't know what the quality is going to be, but maybe even if the quality is not that great, there'll still be some residual enjoyment from seeing a live-action version of a series we love. So we've always totally. just kind of, in our typical Sacred Icon sense, we've leaned into the positivity. But I don't I don't know if till right now we've ever made it clear to anyone that, that yeah, of course, as a typical cynical gamer does, I mean, our first thoughts on it was, is it really going to be any good, you know? I mean, why would it? And, 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 but the thing is, too, is... I will say, I will say with honesty that it never affected how I thought the show was going to be on a quality scale because Captain Keys was black, and it never bothered me that... No, no, uh, and that uh, feels
1: like yeah. uh, fuel that the cynical gamer would just be kind of
0: trolling empire.
1: for, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're looking for stuff like that say, oh, see, I knew it, I told you.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, so that that never affected, like... I thought what I thought of the show's quality before and after uh, Captain Keys was announced to be a black actor is the exact same. I don't think it's going to make any difference on the quality of the show, whether it ends up being good or not. And then, of course, there was the whole thing about the uh having like raising a human, which does seem a little odd, but not only have I not seen that in practice, but I'm pretty sure. From reading Divine Wind, they've already started to weave that into the lore a bit. I'm pretty sure it's kind of alluded to in Divine Wind, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm not I'm not too concerned about that. But um, I don't know if the show is successful enough to get multiple seasons, even if the Rotten Tomato score says it's bad. If it's something that works for Paramount Plus and something it gives something for Halo fans to talk about, and it's and people are so upset that it's not connected to canon. But I'm like, so the same people that are upset that it's not. A, uh, connected to canon, are the same cynical gamers that thought this is going to be shit from the beginning. So, like, right. why would you? And they're upset because it it's be not can-
1: canonical enough.
0: Yeah, it's like, if, but if you thought it was going to be bad, but then you're like upset that it's not canonical, it's like, well, how about this? If it's bad and you don't like it, isn't it kind of nice that it's not canonical? Right. right. It's not
1: doing the Halo 5 thing of introducing a piece of sushi pizza you, to your you supreme. <laughs> yeah, that you can't you get rid of.
0: Remove it. It's there forever. Let me, yes, let me, uh, yeah.
1: let me paint a scenario for you. Neil Blomkamp, remember, was going to do the original yep. Halo series in partnership with Peter Jackson's studio. Uh, that got shut down. Do you think that we would have enjoyed that, seeing where his career went and the success of movies like District 9?
0: Uh, my short answer is yes. Uh, my long answer is I think he would have delivered a Halo film that had the spectacle and the visuals and the sound. It might mm-hmm. have not have been a great movie, like as far as reviews go. Like it might have been seen as another video game movie, because you know you look at like I don't even know. I feel like Chappie wasn't ranked that high, and
1: at least Ch- a, Chappie wasn't amazing. Elysium,
0: I'm pretty sure. I think that was Rotten on Rotten. Not that I'm a Rotten Tomatoes enthusiast, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that was not. yeah. So like I don't, I don't think Neil, Neil Blomkamp is a is a recipe for success every time. But with his visionary abilities and, and what – we saw him do Halo for the ODST thing back when Halo 3 came out. Um, I think right. it would have been this kind of Halo touchstone that we all were fond of now 10 years later. Yeah. Like, that's the Halo movie I throw in where it feels like Halo and it's awesome, even though I know it's not that great of a movie. Cause there's a lot of movies like that. like I kind of, I mean, this is a bad comparison, but I love the Super Mario Bros. movie, and that's garbage.
1: Oh yeah. And it's, I mean, it's okay to have guilty pleasures like that, that you say this is bad, but man, it's enjoyable. Chopping mall is one of those for me.
0: Okay. Yeah. Robots
1: yeah. going around chopping people up with lasers.
0: Yeah. No, sometimes <laughs> you just, you just like what you like. I mean, and or like um, when I get in the Warcraft mood, which isn't too often anymore cause I don't play MMOs anymore, but I do play Warcraft three sometimes. I, I kind of want to go back and watch the Warcraft movie again, which was a crappy <laughs> which is movie. not good. No, it was a crappy yeah. movie. But it just puts me in that world, you know? So I'm like I'm like bring it, you know? I think I think if I was actually I don't think I, I would say I know that if I was in high school still and this Halo show was coming out, I would have very high expectations and I would be crushingly disappointed if it sucked. But now as a yeah. almost 30-year-old, I'm like just give me what you got and if it's enjoyable, just, yeah,
1: give it to me, right?
0: I'll watch it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Kind of where I was going with that is um You know, District Nine was a great movie, and it was very clearly built on a lot of the backbones of what was supposed to be the Halo movie. A lot of the props and everything are the same. Years later, uh, you know, after that movie had had its success and Bomb Camp had started doing other stuff, the original story idea—I can't remember what year this exactly happened—but the original story idea for what was supposed to be that Halo movie came out, and it was about a Marine who gets like a flood infection in his arm. And it was very, yeah, it becomes a Promethean. And it was, it, you could see where, okay, a lot of this plot actually went into District 9 as well. It just, mm. it isn't called Halo, of course. If I had read that premise before I knew anything about this director or the show or, or anything like that, I would have said, this sounds dumb as hell. It, yeah. I but with hindsight being 2020, once again, I could look back and say, actually, if they had followed through on that project and made it, now, you know, a decade plus later, just like you, even if it wasn't good, it would still be something that we look back on fondly, just like those little you know short clips that were almost yeah. examples of what they could have pulled off using brutes and gravity hammers and warthogs yeah. and stuff.
0: Well, to, to 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 as an example to that, when Halo Legends came out, the complete comp- compilation of all that anime stuff, now I was mm-hmm. I think they came out in 2009. I could be off a year. I want to say
1: 2010, but you could be 2010.
0: right. Twenty ten. Okay, so right around there. Either way, I remember, because Halo 3 was still the newest Halo. Well, no, ODST, I guess, you know, but that Halo 3 atmosphere, ODST was on the same engine. 343 three was
1: remember. in the process of taking
0: over. Yeah. And it was
1: definitely in the news. shifting of the reins, you know.
0: Yeah, and it was three four three who was kind of behind was behind the the Legends thing. So I remember when Legends came out, and it was this like anime kind of you know on disc Blu Ray thing. I was like, okay, this is wild. I'm gonna go buy this. So I went and bought me the Blu Ray copy, and I started watching it. And you know, wasn't as aware of what was going on back then. That was you know, <laughs> twelve years ago. So I watch it, and I watch Origins Part One and Origins Part Two, where it's Cortana explaining the you know, forerunner stuff. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. Yeah, this is neat. And then it starts getting into all the whack stuff, like the 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 Arbiter one that's watercolored, and then you have the Spartan one three three seven, leafy, yep. goofy, like <laughs> Dragon Ball type one. Yeah, and it was all over the place. And I remember after I finished Legends, I, I remember setting the disc down and being like, "This is stupid. This is garbage. Like three four three. What the hell? What, what's this new company doing? This is this is whack." Yeah, and I didn't realize that it was just like a almost like a what if. You know, what if we did. Halo, this kind of story in this kind of setting. So now it's been 12 years, whatever. I have a copy of Halo: Legend on my shelf. I rewatch it every couple years. I love it all. I think it's great. I really, it's really a, a cool package of little films. Um, but it just kind of goes to its without shelf, that I'll...
1: context, though. I, I had basically the same experience you did. I was, I wasn't like this is stupid or whatever. I was more just like I, I realized I didn't get it, and I felt like this was not yeah. aimed at me.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. It, just, it was it was kind of a confusing thing. I don't know if it was the smartest thing for a new company to to put out there when they hadn't even put out a game. Yeah, like
1: I mean, said... they've definitely made some leaps that uh, they've taken some lumps for and learned from.
0: Yeah, but what's interesting, too, and this is kind of like a meta or, or we're kind of micro, going micro into this a bit, um, but a lot of the ideas represented in that in that Legends was it was clear that's where they were headed for their stories in the games um not only is cortana going rampant in those origins part one and two but she's reflecting on war and how much she hates war and how chief will never be able to rest because of war and how she wishes that could stop and it's like between the rampancy and those things she's saying about war i'm like They kind of knew where this was. They were wanting to go with this, like she was going to go rampant, and she she was she was going to try to stop war by becoming, you know, AI space Hitler, (laughs) which was awful. But you know,
1: (laughs) and the Greg Bear books were happening at that time, which you know we talked about on the last episode we did together, where mendicant bias and offensive bias so perfectly mirror what's going on with the weapon and Cortana. Yeah, you know, all those threads were there. You got to think it's adjusted in lots of different ways along the road, but that main arc was definitely there. They were planting the seeds for it
0: yeah. very yeah, early. Yeah.
1: Also yeah, the, uh, the other stories, not just origins, but you know, a lot of the other stories were very, very focused on the Spartans as people, which is very different than the bungee way of you're a super soldier. You're a blank slate. The player steps into yeah. it. And now it's the player. They were trying to humanize these characters and show more of that backstory of like kidnapped and flash clone children and stuff.
0: Yeah. It's uh, they did. They, they definitely very early on. They had to, different ideas for where they wanted to take the universe and the characters. And I think that's the thing that's so important is I can actually remember, I I wouldn't be surprised if you could too, but back when Bungie was getting ready to transfer over Halo to 343, I remember there being an interview or a documentary or whatever where I think it was Joe Staten, but it could have been someone else who was saying, um, you know, we're giving our baby Halo, we're giving it over to the fans. It will now be made by and cultivated by the fans and that sounds like a, a just a little a, a quote to put on the back of a box but almost really like PR choice.
1: speak right and yeah you're right it was yeah. the truth
0: yeah the, those games are made by fans they might be people who have industry experience and college degrees masters and all this stuff and and have really good technical skills but there still were fans who wanted to come and work on it because they were fans of Halo and they wanted to offer their insight and their experience and of course we heard it through the years I know like um, Alex had a blog on it. Uh, we heard through the years all the different people that came and went who had creative differences, people who wanted to change Halo into something really different, and then the
1: Ryan Paytons of the world.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then, and then we look at the products we got in Halo Four and and Five and Infinite and all the books and extended media around it. It's clear that it was it was made by fans after Bungie left. And yeah, yeah that's not, and that's not to be that's not to be mean about it. It's just to say that it's the truth, right?
1: It is the truth. And it's it's funny you say that because I just got like the this visual of kind of just this. There's this monster that's trying to break out and express themselves in ways that aren't necessarily Halo. It's three, four, three. It's not Bungie. They want to show you all these new things that they're capable of, whether it's their artistic ability or the way they can design a video game. Mm -hmm. But then because of the legacy, they're constrained. And so it's almost like this, you know, like Sonic the Hedgehog in a straitjacket where he's uncontrollable. He's just bouncing around the room, but he's got the straitjacket on in the form of Microsoft or the powers that be or the heads of the studio. You know, Ryan Payton wanted to do a lot of different things. They collided heads and they eventually parted ways because they didn't agree. But even still, a lot of the people that are working on the smaller elements of those games, they want to do stuff that doesn't replicate what Bungie did. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy how those things just become a beast of their own. Because Halo Combat evolved, it wasn't them setting out to create a Halo game; it was them making a Bungie game that a be- game <laughs> that became Halo, and then from then on out, it was trying to, you know, continue to use their Bungieisms to maintain and build on to Halo forward. Which, but then by the time you get to Halo Three, Halo Reach. There's so much, so many, even just within Bungie, so many people have come and gone to the studio. So much technology has moved on, so much has grown that Halo had become its own little box that even Bungie itself had to adhere to rules it set. And, and sometimes, like, you grow out of the art that you built. It reminds me of, like, a lot of times you hear this with bands Um, I know Mm -hmm. this is probably an obscure band to most everyone listening, but there's a band I really like called Under Oath I grew up with, and they uh, talked about how their first three albums – this was when I was in high school. Their first three albums were all – they all sounded the same because every time they went to go create an an album, you want to make sure that your fans hear an Under Oath album, and it has to have all these things that make it sound like what you expect. Well, then they ended up quitting as a band, and they came back like five years later, and they released a new album where they didn't do that anymore. They said, we're not going to try to make it sound like, we're not going to try to make it sound like an under oath album. We're going to just make an album that we want to make, that we like, and that's going to be that. And they released a new album that was quite different. And then you had a lot of fans going, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't like the last three albums. And it's kind of what we were like with, and we have fair, we have fair complaints as well, but like, that's what it was like for Halo 4. It's like, right. Like Halo 4 is like, okay, this is, you guys did something different here. And then five, it was like, Y'all did something real different here. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Mistakes were made, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So, well, it's, like,
1: it's funny you yeah. say that because I sound like a uh, like a hypocrite. But when it comes to music, as far as music goes, it is my opinion that the bands should make what they feel like they should make. And yeah. if you lose some fans, believe that you're going to gain some more. And all you can really do is be true to yourself. Yeah. But then, video game industry, right? It's not four people or five people or one person writing an album. It's hundreds of people. And so when you sign on to make a game, you have to know going in, this is going to be a Halo game or this is going to be a Star Wars game. And so there are rules that you have to adhere to if you want it to be successful. And I think maybe a lot of the – we know that there was a lot of money thrown at 343 when they started as far as building the studio up and creating a vision, and that's enticing to a lot of people. But when they come in and they you know maybe have to stick to this – more stringent rule set that may have been a consideration that not everyone had. So yeah, then they, I, you know, I, they part ways.
0: Here's something to think about. Somebody could have worked on Halo four that hated Prometheans or hated the didact or hated the multiplayer. Almost and they, they helped assuredly. Make it
1: anyways. Yeah. Almost assuredly. It's still work yeah. at the end of the day. It's still a franchise that they care about and it's still art yeah. that they get to produce.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting concept though. Just the way you put it of like, you know, three, four, three is all this talent and all these artists that are, they're trapped in the halo box, right? Where it's like, if you have if you have ten miles of way to express yourself normally, you might have a half mile within inside your halo box, and you have to find out how you can use that half mile of space to add your flare of creativity and talent, you know, because it's in that halo box, and that that's yeah. really tough for them, and that's, I mean, it's it is tough, but
1: supreme talent, I think, wins that at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, the art direction, just as an example, yes, it does kind of go back for Infinite, I'm speaking about here. Yeah. The art direction does go back more towards the Bungie era in terms of, like, Forerunner hardware aesthetics and stuff like that, but they managed to cram a lot, and I, I mean, a lot of new visuals into that mm-hmm. in a way that feels seamless, and that can only be done with supreme talent, and I gotta yeah. just, you know, hands down to the the art direction and all the artists and the concept visualizations and stuff that went into it, uh, because it's, yeah. it's top of the line. It's as good as it gets in the industry.
0: Absolutely. I, it's crazy how often we, I think we, we will never say it out loud, but a lot of times we're just kind of internally thinking like, you know, we just throw a bunch of money at this, this, this idea and it comes out. It's like, no, the only reason, the only way these halo games exist because you have extremely talented people who are passionate and working so hard to build this and when they put it out it's already probably severely compromised from what they wanted it's just this is this mm-hmm. is the, this is the compromised version um, and like you know when you see something amazing like the way a, the way you shoot something and something blows up and it chain reacts off of some other enemy and the enemy dodges it's easy to think that they kind of just rolled the dice on creating that but no they meant to create that, and they took all yeah. the time to make sure that this would lead to that, and this would have this reaction to that. And you go, wow, that sounds like it's really hard and confusing and would take forever to do. And the truth is, it, it is. is.
1: <laughs> it really is. absolutely is. is.
0: <laughs> you know, it's like maybe, maybe just doing this one animation and reaction is three months of work from one guy.
1: Uh, yeah, you know? yeah, Absolutely. So, that's absolutely a fair point.
0: Yeah, but that was that was a really good.
1: That's why it takes hundreds of people to make a game of that people size for years, right? and
0: then you still have to release content later in patches because and that's the thing is like we 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 bitch about that right, and I still will. I'm not going to say I won't, but how do I want to put this? Sometimes that has to happen, right? Like, like for instance, co-op not being at launch. What were the other options? The other options were. They delayed another year, but you have to then go through all the corporate levels to say, do we want to lose money for another year for co-op? And the answer is going to right. be no. When
1: multiplayer is, according to 343, the multiplayer is yeah. ready. So, so, so it's like, what's the smart decision? Yeah,
0: as a company, your answer is going to be no, right? They already pushed it a year back to get to this point. Um, so it's like, yeah, I mean, if but then if you, if you go another year, then you go, well, maybe... You get to another year, well, if we win another year, we can make Forge this much better. Or if we win another year, we could add that snowy biome that we wanted. I mean, where does it end?
1: But within another year, Call of Duty could have some amazing new idea that steals all of our market share. Titanfall 3 yeah. could be announced between now and next year, yeah. you know? Who's to say? It was a gamble when they delayed it a year, and it was obviously, and I think both of our opinions, it was the For right sure. choice. But going back to what we were just saying earlier about the free-to-play multiplayer and how it's it's... You know, it's different now and games as a service versus just spending $60 and getting everything. That's where the frustration with co-op and Forge being delayed. That's where all that comes from. It's just from the legacy offerings yeah. we've got.
0: Which most, most games and, don't and offer all that it's stuff.
1: It's just not going to happen. Yeah, most... Yeah. No, and I mean, it's a hell of a feature set. It's one that we obviously expect. Uh, but how many, how many games come out with a campaign, a robust online multiplayer, a player custom creation which sounds like it's also gonna have campaign AI built into it and online co-op
0: yeah it's a big deal is
1: there could you even name five I mean, ever look at what, you know that aren't called Halo look at
0: what came out right around Halo battlefield 2042 man no campaign no oh no campaign no story seventy dollars not free to play you still have battle passes and add-on content. There's no forge
1: Fewer maps, I believe.
0: There's no forge. There's no co-op. I mean, it's just
1: they do have that um, portal mode, which has kind of been the big draw for them, and it feels like an afterthought that was tacked on and kind of saved and the that's day. The saving grace, in my opinion. Yeah, so, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, that's just I mean, by comparison, it's like it's not even it's not even comparable. You're getting so much more. You're you're literally getting more out of your free to play, zero dollar investment Halo Infinite than your seventy dollar Battlefield purchase.
1: If you have Game Pass. Otherwise, it's the price of campaign.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, true, absolutely. Um, Yeah, that was a really good tangent we went on. We had some some good topics there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. uh, What was that final question we had, Um, Corey? I wanted to hear that.
1: Yeah, so uh, Quiet Gamer on the Discord had a question for both of us that I thought would be fun to talk about. And this is not verbatim, I'm paraphrasing here, so forgive me, Quiet, if I butcher your, your question. But what do you think keeps Halo fun... Why do we keep going back to it again and again without getting bored? And this could probably go for uh, infinite and the legacy games yeah. as well. I'm going to exclude five because that's not one that either one of us wanted to go back and replay much. So
0: yeah, I I'm a glutton for punishment. I, I've played Halo, I've replayed Halo Five more than than you would care to hear. Not because I loved it, but because I just I'm somebody. It's just
1: one you got. Somebody who always
0: <laughs> wants. I I have this belief when I approach anything that if I just Play it, read it, listen to it. Force myself through enough. I'll start to. I'll start to glean the positives out of it. It's happened before. I played Oblivion, Elder Scrolls Oblivion, like seven times before I realized it was yeah. one of my favorite games of all time because I thought it was, I thought it was crap in the beginning.
1: There's a lot of value in that type of perspective, I think. Yeah,
0: but sometimes you just got to accept that it ain't gonna change either. You know, you can't just go from.
1: Well, sometimes you just immediately know, hey, this isn't for me. But it's funny because, like, you talk about Halo Five or, or other games. Halo 5 is something that we're predisposed to like, right? You and I are fans of the series. We're supposed to like it. So it's like if you expose yourself to it over and over, something in there, whether it's big or small, something's going to click for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but with Halo 5, it mostly it didn't. didn't. I mean, <laughs> I, had some,
0: I did have some great memories with Halo 5's multiplayer, but still, the, the, the difference there is, and I, I think many more people arrived to this point before I did, but H- Halo 5 is pretty it's a very well-made game but there's just so many elements of halo stripped out of it that you end up feeling like you're playing something different you know like like it's extremely smooth and the gameplay is rock solid in halo 5 but it doesn't really feel like typical halo gameplay right with the with the ground pound and the spartan charge and the infinite sprinting and all that stuff you know And and then yeah
1: I would argue that just like we were saying, if Halo Infinite were called something else, a lot of the complaints about the you know the yeah. pricing and free to play and whatnot would go away. I think if Halo Five were called something else, it still would be like a mediocre, sure. non-top tier shooter. Be, it would probably be maybe not mediocre. That that might no, be a little harsh be... considering the multiplayer because that yeah, was successful. Halo
0: Five would probably be seen as a as a a decently solid good game if it didn't have Halo attached. But it was it was already not perfect, mm-hmm. and then it had Halo names attached, so. But yeah, with with the squad mechanics and the and the the story that the revive and the revive and the story that just didn't captivate in the same. Not only was it not a good story, but like Halo has this way of like music swells, ship in the background. I feel like I'm in this mysterious foreign place, and I'm emotional, and I don't know why. Like none of that ever occurred in Five. You know?
1: Yeah, this had production values without high production like quality yeah. output. As a result, okay, you know, mistakes were made. Like yeah, we so, so
0: taking taking our negatives from Halo Five, I guess we can start to answer the the question more about what we what keeps us coming back. I always struggle for myself. People ask the question in just regards to gaming in general. They ask the question, "Are you more about gameplay or story?" And I feel like every year my answer changes because I've played like I've played some games. For instance, like pretty much the entire Dragon Age series, I hate the gameplay. I don't enjoy it at all but man, the stories and those characters and that world is so good, it brings me in. But then you have other games, I mean, like uh, like, like Rollercoaster Tycoon, for instance. That's not something that's ever in a conversation. I can sit on my butt and play Rollercoaster yeah. Tycoon for hours, dude, just build my own little park and stuff because the gameplay is so much fun, The, the or, or even Minecraft, you know, the gameplay is so much fun. There's really not yeah. much story there. So they're both extremely valuable, but I think with Halo, for a long time, it was, every, it was the full package, right? Because you had the gameplay, you had the story, you had the multiplayer, uh, just, just the smoothest controls ever felt on a console from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and just the holy trinity of, of the melee, the shoot, and the grenade. I mean, it had the full package. But I think even then, as later games came out and people would start to say it didn't have one of those elements, I think the other elements of Halo... I think there's so many good elements of Halo that... Even if it's missing one, it was still a strong experience. Like for with Halo Four, mm-hmm. Halo Four, you know, it, I really like that game, and it, it didn't it didn't resemble Bungie games in a lot of ways, but it still managed to give me some of that Halo emotion, that Halo spirit. The story, yeah. the story was good, and just I was I was it was able to captivate me into that world. Um even if the multiplayer fell short and and there was some some weird sandbox issues and things like that and then with like even with Halo Infinite it's like Halo Infinite has that art style, it has that music, it has those gameplay encounters that you make yourself, you know, where it's not it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like Call of Duty, it's like this mission, something's gonna explode, and this truck's gonna overturn, and you're gonna <laughs> land on your back with your hand over your face. And, but in Halo, <laughs> it's like I'm doing all this cool shit that just happened because I did it.
1: Yeah, I mean, those elements happen. You know, those scripted moments yeah. definitely happen, but that's not the that's not why you come to the dinner table.
0: Yeah, so so I think with like with Halo Infinite, it almost feels it almost feels like it was very it was obviously very planned, right? Because I feel like they went back to the drawing board. With Infinite, and they're like, there's all these different things that make Halo Halo. Let's see how many we can get right. And they really they got the art style right, they got the music right, they got the gameplay right, um, and the story. While I wouldn't say it's, I'd say it's far from perfect and far from my favorite story, they mostly got the story right too. What it needed to be as far as feeling mysterious and epic and and having mm-hmm. some emotion, whether it's between the weapon or it's between the pilot. Um, so. Um, The fact that they were able to, you know, it was basically like Bungie pretty much had it down while they were making their games. And then you get to Halo 4, and it's a really good first effort for the company, and they managed to continue on in a way that, that works. But then you get to 5, and 5 just felt like, Halo 5 feels like they just lost almost all identity of Halo and Halo 5. Yeah. So for them to be able to come back six years later with Halo Infinite, and the biggest problems we're complaining about right now, are microtransactions that are pricey and waiting for co-op and BTB that needs a fix that we know that is going to get fixed shortly It will be yeah. working. It's just a matter of time, man. Like those feel like so much like such better things to deal with.
1: None of those like, complaints have anything to do with game design.
0: Yeah, they really don't. You know, and and they're the things that these are things that can and will be fixed. If you said that, man, you know. The art design of Halo Infinite—it looks like it looks more like Crisis than it looks like Halo, or it looks more like Call of Duty. You can't fix that. I mean, that's that's built, that's baked in. That's like a that's like you put eggs into a brownie. You can't take those eggs back out to make <laughs> cake. Yeah, you know. So so yeah. So to answer that question and pass it over to you. For me, um, what keeps me coming back to Halo is as well. I'll be more specific. As a campaign guy, campaign guy, primarily, it's the. Amazing gameplay with the with the amazing encounters mm-hmm. that has this the back that has a background of a world that I want to get lost in. Yes. And so even if even even if the story is not even if the story not peak, and even if you know um, it's not my favorite soundtrack for the for the game, or if it makes a few mistakes with encounters or levels, if it can maintain generally that gameplay and counter and background feeling where it just, cause it, it's so replayable, right? Like how yeah. many times have we replayed the silent cartographer. It's just like countless. It's count, I don't know. It's countless. And I, I see, I see infinite bringing that back. And uh, yeah, so that, that's it for me. I mean, I feel it's, it's a typical answer. I feel like everyone says that, but yeah, I mean, it, it is, just, it is a
1: balance of, obviously there's no one element that makes it so yeah. replayable. Uh, immersion is probably the word for, Most of that get being able to get lost in an environment, even if the, the story or the narrative that's happening around it isn't the best. If you're having fun, just walking on a beach, getting in a warthog and driving somewhere.
0: Yeah,
1: that's it's, it's hard to make that fun in a video game, unless you've got all these other elements around it that add to immersion. And I think the thing for me, like I agree with every single thing you just said, you know, the music and all that stuff coming together. It's all, very special and at the time it happened with Halo 1 it was such a gargantuan leap over any shooter, console Mm -hmm. shooter or PC shooter nothing had even attempted to do that so you go in and you start you know, playing this campaign just because it's so much better than everything else at the time I played CE over and over, that was kind of the reasons because it was just better than all the other video games that were out there as options Um, and then you kind of come to realize that like part of the immersion is not just the quality of the art and the lore and everything that's going on around you, but within the encounters themselves, you know, you can play on different difficulties. And even when you, if you play normal and you go into the same room multiple times, it's not always going to be the exact same enemy placement. It's not always going to be the same movements. Even if you just restart checkpoint and go through the same door over and over, the reaction of that enemy that first sees you could be different 20 times. That level of variation leads to moments of not knowing what's going to happen. Like your typical game, you've played 100 times, you know exactly what's going to happen. And there's plenty yeah. of scripting in the Halo games, obviously, where if you're speed running, you can learn those behaviors that are going to trigger every time. But for the average gamer that's just going through and encountering these little combat sections it does lead to these white knuckle in the zone. The thing that doom eternal tried to do where you get in just in the zone, uh, the flow state as they call it, where nothing else really exists. You're so focused. You're reloading, reloading, reloading. You get three shotgun shells in, you fire those three, you reload one, you shoot it, you know, and you're just trying to prioritize targets. You're trying to manage your, your ammunition. And then when you come out of it, it is like, uh, I don't know. It, it's you've, you've achieved this flow state from something that you would expect to be gaining from a game like Geometry Wars, but you're doing it in this yeah. super immersive, lore-filled atmosphere that it really is just the perfect combination of multiple things clanging together in a way that's unique that, for me at least, hasn't yeah. been done in anything else. I mean, I love The Legend of Zelda. Ocarina of Time is one of my favorite games ever. Got the poster on the wall right there. But there's no gameplay in there that makes me like white knuckled and think that my decisions have as much impact as they do in a game like Halo. Doesn't even come remotely close.
0: Yeah, yeah that's well said. Because it's crazy that like I could flip on Combat Evolved now and be on the second mission Halo, and go to fight my first you know group of elites and cut and uh, grunts and all that, and I might throw a grenade and like a grunt lands on top of the bumblebee pod and a, an elite rolls off the edge of the Planet and, fall, and I'm gonna be like that didn't happen the last twenty times I played and that's no. just cool I'm like you know
1: there's a, it, so. that's one of those games Halo CE and then uh, two and three also to a very large degree have those moments where I'm constantly saying oh never seen that happen before no matter how many times you play it yeah. those things are constantly yeah. happening
0: well I, I think I think that's why uh, Infinite really has it's really nailed it because for me. The, as we were talking about, the, the immersion and the ex, the experience of playing Halo matters even more than the story. Because now that I'm now that we're talking this through, you know, when Halo 3 came out, I was hanging on every word for that story. I was hanging on every word. I needed Halo 3 to deliver. I needed this epic story in this finale. I cared so much about what was going to happen to every character. Yeah. Well, if I'm being honest, you know, now 15 years later, uh, playing Infinite... I obviously care about the story, but my investment level in the story of Halo at this point is nowhere near what it was in 2007. Yeah, some of that's due to mistakes made, and other parts of it is just due to being older. Absolutely. Uh, so, so when I play Halo Infinite, the story's fine, but it's it's good enough is what I'm saying is because because what I, what Infinite's doing is it's offering me everything that needs to be there to be a good Halo experience. It's immersed me. I have these moments of. I have the game moment-to-moment gameplay and the music chiming in and the the, the the atmosphere of Zeta Halo and what's going on with these mysteries yeah. and I can engage these enemies and things will play out differently. It's nailed what Halo is at its core and I think I think I mean people who look back at the trilogy so fondly, the original trilogy, which I think we all do. Um, I think what was so great about it is it was just nailing every it was nailing every facet. And it was adding new things along the way. And it was just like this continued evolution while well, everything was so fire, but it just kept yeah. going. And now there's Forge and now there's Fileshare. So I think, you know, the fact that Infinite is able to replicate almost all of it, and then there's the promise of more, it might end up kind of bringing it all back. I think, I know I know the question wasn't how how is Infinite, you know, doing this for you, but... Yeah, but um, but I mean, I it is a Halo
1: game and it is, I am personally replaying it a whole bunch. And so it certainly yeah. applies.
0: Yeah, I mean I think it's a good way to it's a good way to it's it's a good way to pro- like show an example of how us saying it's immersion is actually applied, right? Cuz we're showing we're saying that through through Halo the original trilogy and Infinite, we're seeing this tie of of what makes that uh, a series that we enjoy so much and we're 4 and 5 um, kind of lost the way a bit and i hate to rope four in there because i really wasn't upset with four when it came out i really enjoyed it but it's obvious in retrospect especially after five's disappointment looking back at four and seeing yeah where they were starting to lose their way those were built we together to... for sure yeah like it was it was going down a path that probably wasn't the best for it so yeah uh, infinite makes it clear the, di- the dichotomy between infinite and four and five and the original uh, halo games uh it paints a picture of what what makes the series so special, and it's really comforting to know that three four finally landed on a spot where it feels like they understand. You know, and yeah, the bones are able, there.
1: They've they've kind of nailed it.
0: Yeah, and being able to tell a, a story that's good is tough enough. Being able to tell a story that's you know mind blowing is even harder. So the, so the story they told in Infinite is. It's, it's a good comparable story, so I think they're on the right track. I mean, it's just, when I played Halo 2, you know, mind blown, mind blown with Halo Two story. Just all the different terminologies and words and the, the Arbiter side and the Chief side yeah. and so much politics going on. It was just, that was like peak, peak writing there. So it's like you can't expect that with every game. And honestly, if you look back at Halo 1, I don't really think Halo Combat Evolved has some extraordinary writing or story over Infinite. It's just that it was the beginning for us. It was the origin, the inception yeah. point. You know, and and time
1: and place has a lot to do with that too, because
0: it's time. not like,
1: yeah, it's not like it was the most well-written thing. There were obviously lots of layers to it with the TS Eliot uh, kind of written into the Cortana lines and stuff like that. I like that the depth was there, but as far as the line to line, it wasn't so much that it was great or innovative or so groundbreaking, but it was super fucking cool. Every time Master Chief yeah, said something, you're just like, here we go.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely, dude. Punch absolutely. it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, I'll say those things. I'll make those equivalent like comparisons to like, you know, Halo Infinite isn't writing a story like any worse than CE, but yeah, it doesn't, obviously at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me because CE is going to be more important to me than any new Halo's ever going to be. Like, CE is yeah. just, it's that moment in time, it's that uh, it's that uh, nostalgic memories. Um, so that's super important to me. But yeah, is there any final things you want to say, Corey? Well, this has been kind of dope how quick this went because I feel like we've had a lot of topics and we've talked a million miles a minute and it's been really fun. I know we could go longer, but... We could always go oh, Man, We
1: could sit here and talk oh. Halo all day.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But anything else you wanted to say, Corey? Or- no. Um,
1: well, one thing I did want to say is uh, I noticed after the last one that I did with you, Lots of people in the Discord were trying to figure out what my name was so they could tell me what they the thought Discord. or whatever. Yeah. So on the Discord, it is the same as my Xbox Live gamer tag. It's Blaster85 with no E, just like my name Corey with no E. B-L-A-S-T-R-85. So um that's my name in the Discord. Shoot me a friend request on Xbox Live if you want to. And also I have set up a brand new Xbox Club. That is, uh, it's like a passive scavenger hunt. It's called video game or vending machines in video games. So Uh, come join my club. And whenever you see a video game with a, with a vending machine in it, snap a picture and post it. It's just a passive scavenger hunt.
0: That sounds sounds pretty cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, no. So everybody come join up. Yeah, definitely. uh, Definitely hit Corey up, whether in the the discord or uh, you can send an email if you want to write in something about this episode or ask Corey a question. Um, Very cool dude. He's been around for. Probably getting close to two years now. I think coming up this year. So
1: yep, coming up on two years.
0: Yep, we're not planning on having him go anywhere. So we really appreciate him standing in for Josh here while we uh, we've had a couple weeks away. Cool, cool news for you guys. Uh, Josh and me should be dropping another episode on the nineteenth, which is five days from now. So Josh will be back, and we'll be back in business uh, in the year twenty twenty two. But
1: we, really appreciate... we miss you, Josh.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, we've heard. I've heard it so much. I'm like, we miss. Damn, Josh, it's time for me to leave so somebody can miss me. No. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so thank you so much, Corey, and this was uh, was a lot of fun. And, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Sacred Icon Podcast. And as always, keep it sacred.